Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. <laughs> doo doo. Doo doo. Derpy doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um well this one's a long one, so let's just get right into yep. it. <laughs> Hi everybody. Hello. Welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. Yes. The podcast dedicated to the glitz and glamour of Hollywood's golden era. Welcome back. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Philip Estrada. And I'm Kathleen Nall. Yes, you are. <laughs> Tee-hee. Alleged. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All righty. So um, we're here today to round out the final installment of our Sexy Sailor Summer Series. Woo-hoo! Yay! It's all coming to a close, you guys. Yes. Summer, the summer, the final days of summer are waning down. Yep. It's kids are headed, getting ready to go back to school. We thought we'd celebrate the big bloated days of summer with a big bloated MGM musical. <laughs> that actually, yeah. I fucking love. I love this movie. Yes. <laughs> I don't blame you. It was a good one. Yeah. It was it, but it is a dense movie. Yes. There is a lot yes. that happens. It delivers um, the goods. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this movie we're talking about, of course, is called Hit the Deck. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Hallelujah. So, um, this movie is um, from 1955. Mm-hmm. It's from, of course, it's from MGM, as you were saying. Big bloated musical. <laughs> um, it's directed by Roy Rowland. And the costumes from this movie are by our good friend Helen Rose. Hey, girl. Yay. We Hi. love you. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, the cast of this film is uh, Jane Powell, who plays Susan Smith. Jane Powell, of course, of Seven Brides for Seven mm-hmm. Brothers fame. She only filmed that movie one year prior to this. It yes. was released in 1954. So... She had two big movies in a row. Uh, Debbie Reynolds. Yes. A national treasure. And uh, I just want to say this is our first Debbie Reynolds movie. It'll be the first mm-hmm. of, of all of her movies, but it took us a while. And that's why it's important. This is also bookending our Sexy Sailor Summer series that she's in. Yes. It. Yes. She's the best. Yes. Uh, she plays Carol Pace mm-hmm. and then um, National Treasure. It's just it's chock full of National Treasure. <clears throat> Uh, is one Miss Ann Miller. <laughs> it's, uh, y- hey, y'all. Guess what? Guess what? Shit. It's Miller time. <laughs> I can't open it with my long glitter nails. Sorry. Ah, okay. yay. Yes. You did it, though. <laughs> I would say yay. starring, co-starring, whatever the fuck you want to say, Ann Miller. <laughs> it's Ann Miller. It's Miller time. Um, yep. So, uh, the, of, of course, the lefty. Sorry. <laughs> Lucky. We don't have any beer in my house. Oh, damn it. I know. Always um, for Miller time. We always need beer for Miller time. Doesn't necessarily um, have to be a Miller, but sorry. That's true. Yeah. Uh, you know how I roll. I roll with the high priced beers. <laughs> I know. It should be an IPA. IPA time for. for yeah, Philip. IPA time. <laughs> um, so, for the boys, we've got Tony Martin plays. Now this is a mouthful because this is how he's credited on the web, on IMDb <laughs> yes. is Chief Boatswain's mate to William F. Clark, <laughs> but he's referred to as Bill in the movie for pretty much the entire thing. I don't exactly. think anybody ever says his rank and full name. <laughs> um, so that uh, Tony Martin's a singer. He's like kind of a, a crooner from the from the. Um, early 50s mm-hmm. and then Vic Damone um, plays Rico Ferrari he's also a famous singer from the f- um, 40s and 50s hey. 
Hey, Baba the Boopy. He was, he was cute. Um, he was cute. <laughs> um, and Russ Tamblin, who from who we remember from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, he plays Danny Smith. So it's a Jane Powell and Janny, um, Russ Tamblin um, reunite for this film. So it's wonderful to see them back back in action. Yes. The gang's all here. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I love me some Russ Tamblin. He is so cute in this movie, just as he was so cute in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Oh, yes. Love it. He gets much more screen time in this he movie does. than he does in Seven he Brides. He does. Um, and then we also have uh, Gene Raymond plays Wendell Craig, mm-hmm. and um, they they are also introducing Kay Arman, who is a um, a big singer of that time as well as Rico's mother, Mrs. Ferrari, and then Walter Pigeon plays um, uh, Russ Tamlin's father, uh, mm-hmm. Admiral Smith. Um, yeah, so this movie, this movie actually isn't like one of the biggest MGM musicals and not a lot of people really know it. Mm-hmm. It's not in like the canon of like the big movies that you think of. Like yeah. most of the musicals we've, um, most of the sailor musicals that we've already covered, like On the Town, Anchors Away, um, mm-hmm. Follow the Fleet. That one's a pretty big one too. Um, this one kind of doesn't have really any big production numbers aside from the last one that really kind of like stood the test of time because usually there's like one or two big songs that kind of like I like epitomize the movie Mm -hmm. this one didn't really for me I didn't really have one but oh I look what's your history with this movie Kathleen tell me all of the things (laughs) actually um I I did grow up watching this movie um it was I I watched this growing you know watching this alongside like singing in the rain and kiss me Kate and sort of those like mid 50s um uh you know late 40s mid 50s um very like colorific uh cinemascope mgm musicals um mm-hmm. i do agree with you this, like this one is very cinema it is it's yeah like... i mean t- yeah it, it was very the very broad big pictures but um so yeah I, I do have a background with it and i didn't think i did as much but then when i watched because it's been a while since i had seen it but then when i watched it i I remember the song so well and um there were parts of it I was just like I knew the the lyrics and the way they were so instantly like they were they're somewhere in my recessed memory um especially like the little the 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 little you know why why wherefore like that song I I I remember those songs and um and then of course like the costumes that they wear uh yeah so so I did kind of grow up and I think that also too um because it's like it's three girls and like I have two sisters so it was like the story of three girls and you know they're all like very very different and yeah so I yeah I I kind of love this movie and I love the numbers in it <laughs> oh, cool yeah yep cool how about you what's your experience with um, this movie well, this was the first time that I've ever seen this movie, and honestly, I'm not that familiar with it, and I'm surprised because it was such a big, it was a mm-hmm. big movie. I mean, it had Ann Miller, it had Debbie Reynolds, it, I mean, these were big stars at the time, and should I mean, they would have been on my radar. It just, they, it, for some reason, this just wasn't as readily available yeah. as the other movies that I was used to seeing, um, and it just never, it was never in the ro- Disney Channel rotation yeah. either. So I don't think that, you know, because that's usually where, as a child, where I would see old movies or mm-hmm. musicals. So this one just kind of slipped through the cracks for some reason, um, and. Uh, so that's really my history. I mean, just seeing it now. I mean, it is a big yeah. movie. Um, and I do feel like the fact that it's in Cinemascope, I didn't really, I'm such a turd. I really should have um, uh, Googled the director, Roy Rowland, more to understand like what his previous experience was well, and what his like future like what so he did I, I did after. a little bit of research on him and he he didn't initially start off in the film industry it was sort of I, I can't remember how he got in there but he he ended up marrying the niece of uh I believe um was it Samuel Goldwyn maybe or uh uh or Louis B. Mayer and uh one of them and then but he he did do I I was trying to look I didn't see anything that he had done that was as big as hit the deck but um Mm -hmm. he did another movie it was like uh, meet me in Las Vegas I believe with Sid Charisse um and then he ended up actually eventually doing like some uh directing some spaghetti westerns in the 60s so he's not like he's not like a like a vincent minnelli or anything like that you know and but he he did do quite a bit of things they just weren't really i think things that we would have 
known like not like these big name major musicals yeah it's because it was just interesting to think to see because this movie is in mm-hmm. cinemascope and it's a big so when you see it on your tv it's like the widest of yeah. the widescreen <laughs> so it's like you still regardless of whether or not your tv is in white a widescreen or not it's gonna have the black bars on the top and bottom just because of how big the the film yeah. was actually meant to be and that sort of thing and i'm just i found it to be a little the movie I feel like it wasn't utilizing that. It wasn't really like it was shot in CinemaScope, but it's almost like he didn't, he was like just filming it for yeah. TV or something in a yeah. way. It just like the shots weren't wide or sweeping or big or except for that, like the last number yeah. was that that was kind of the last big really like had some really good shots and yeah. stuff. But otherwise it was almost kind of for me, it, it felt like I was watching a teleplay right. or something or like something that was filmed for a smaller in a smaller budget or smaller scale. I don't know. It was just a strange and interesting kind of thing because it did. There was a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of like interpersonal stuff happening because you have three guys, three girls, and they're all interacting across each other or you'll have like, you know, that sort of thing. So there's like backstories mm-hmm. and how they got to meet each other and all that stuff. So it was just an interesting, I was like, what? There's so much. It so is. It was, whereas yeah. like when you go to like movies, like even, even on the town and stuff, it was like they, yeah, they filmed, they had to film like on sets and then on location, but they still managed to fill the screen in a way or make it feel like there was constant movement well, and stuff. It was just because interesting. Because they did those great, it, it really was to me, like I always said, it's like on the town is a lot of ways like a love letter to New York because they go to all these different places yeah. and it's sort of the magic of that. And I feel like, you know, Hit the Deck takes place in San Francisco. San Francisco in the 1950s, which, I mean, I'm sorry, some of the best things done in that cinemascope were those wide sweeping shots of <laughs> the city of San Francisco in 1950s because it yeah. was gorgeous. It's, fucking gorgeous. And it's yeah, like, it almost like, you could have done footage. that. Like, in a way, like, to do mm-hmm. a, a, like a San Francisco version of that would have been amazing. But I guess this was originally a musical that initially RKO had bought the rights to this uh, to the stage musical in 1930, and it was going to be a film musical hit the deck, then sold it to MGM in 1947. Mm. And then um, uh, I guess uh, there was another play, Shore Leave, that was adapted for musicals, um, and then uh, which I guess eventually became Follow the Fleet. Um, that was scored by Irving Berlin. Oh, okay. And then um, the plot to MGM's Hit the Deck um, differed from all the previous versions of the story. And then MGM purchased RKO's 1930s version, which has not been publicly seen since. So there's like huh. different... So that's the thing is like there is this sort of like like the sexy sailor on shore leave like myth or, or like sort of genre or, or play. And it's there's a few different versions that are out there and, yeah. and ways that they've done it over and over. So it's just, it's interesting. It's just yeah, just watching it now I was like I was just like wow, there was seemed to be a little bit of like there was like it was almost like the script was a little overwrought yeah. where it was like written and rewritten and written and rewritten and written and rewritten. And I feel like it just got very dense after a while where they're like, there is so much that they had put in it that they couldn't trim anything because there were too many references to stuff that happened previously. Yeah. You know? So I was just like, you know, it's like, it's a, it just, it was an interesting, it's an interesting yeah. watch to see. Cause there's a lot of like, when I was writing my, like I was saying earlier before we got on the mic, I was like, yeah, the recap, I usually can keep it to one page, but I kind of had to do a page and a quarter, which I, it doesn't a lot, but it's like, you know, it, there's just a lot yeah. happens in this movie. A lot so. happens. So strap yourself in kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, but interesting. So I was, when I was watching this, I was just like, it's an interesting cast of people. Mm-hmm. So I was, so like, You've got like I'm I know we shouldn't probably compare and contrast with like movies like on the town, but I'm going to do anyway because I'm a terrible human being. No, no. It's so, fine. We we bookended uh, <laughs> our whole series. We started it with On the Town and now we're finishing it with Hit the Deck, so I think it's quite appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So it just for me it was like on the town you've got you they they've got two they've well too. Uh, they've got Gene Kelly, who was like a huge star at the mm-hmm. time, and then you also have Frank Sinatra, who was a huge musical mm-hmm. singer at the time. He wasn't known for acting, but they're like, hey, let's put, put him in movies. What's what could go wrong? And this one, I feel like they did the similar thing too, where they have the ladies who are all sort of like big famous people, mm-hmm. and then they bring in the singing of uh, the singers, who is 
is Tony Martin, who was a singer, and his career ended up spanning 60 years, but he's not of Frank Sinatra. Yeah. He's not like the, I mean, granted, not everybody can be Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And then also Vic, Vic Damone was also a singer as well. But it was just a strange, it was an interesting thing. I don't and know. No, and I know what me, you mean. Like, and then they bring in Russ Tamlin, who is a dancer, but he's not of, he's not a right. Gene Kelly. I mean, no offense, Russ Tamlin. I think you're fucking great and you're very adorable. But you're, you know, Gene Kelly, Russ Tamlin, you're, you're just not that same force. I feel honestly the right. stronger forces Tamblin, in here were the females, to be honest. Yes, like, it's why I think that yeah, the ladies definitely carried this yeah. movie. Yeah, I, sure. I feel like they sure. were bigger names than the males, to be honest. Like, wh- like as far as people who I remember in this movie, it's the three ladies. You've got Jane Powell, oh, yeah. you've got Debbie Reynolds, and you've got Ann Miller. I mean, just the mm-hmm. the cream of the MGM mm-hmm. crop in the 1950s, and they are on point. Mm-hmm. On point, all three of them. <laughs> yeah, on point. Yes, they. It was I like, love it. When I when I was watching it, they like it was those names came up on the you know on the in the credits, and then it was just like yes. I was watching like watching. I was like watching the clock, just being like, I don't see these ladies on screen, and that's a damn shame because. I mean, these boys are nice and all, but good for them. But it's just like, <laughs> like this is we need some ladies. This is when Philip starts oh. shouting, "Bring in the showgirls!" <laughs> and they did. I girl. know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I, I know. Mean, and Miller's best. first scene. I was just like, <laughs> "You're welcome." Uh, thank you, Jesus Christ. Um, She's so like, perfect. Praise Zeno. Um. Uh, but anyway, interested. So, but before and some other stuff too, is I was interested because this is 1955, and for me, Russ Tamblin is Russ Tamblin ended up being in West Side Story, mm-hmm. which was a which was 61. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was 61. 61. So, and this one was in 55. So it was six years later that that came out. But this, for me, it's maybe it's the fact that Tony Martin and. Um, victim owner both kind of um both of italian um lineage yeah. and they kind of have that vibe i was just like i wonder if there was a bit of that sort of like romanticizing that that was happening in the water it was just kind of percol- percolating a little bit but then i was also googling around too and i was like what was happening in 1955 in cinema at the time because mm-hmm. this movie ended up being a flop and losing money for yeah MGM. i know sad so, which is a bummer yeah but um, so the movies that it was going up against, um, number four box office earner in the mo- um, of that year was Oklahoma. Oh well, which was I mean that's a force to be reckoned <laughs> yeah. with. Um, after that, number five was Guys and Dolls. Uh, well, which, okay, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, and that was wasn't Guys and Dolls Frank Sinatra yeah, and uh, yeah. Marlon Brando. Yes, that was yeah. some that's hard hitting shit right there. Yeah, and then number six of that year was Disney's Lady and the Tramp. And um, n- number eight that year was Seven Year Itch. So this was the same year as Seven Year Itch. So wow. while what, what was interesting to think about, like Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, like Seven Year Itch. So th- I feel like what was happening in the mid 50s, like 30s and 40s was like MGM's golden era. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden Fox comes out of nowhere when they because when they signed Marilyn and it was just 10 years of like like that's that was the golden age for them to for them so it was just interesting i kind of wanted to put it into perspective of what was happening in hollywood at that time also this is when marty mcfly goes back in time um with the flux capacitor (laughs) you have to remember this was a very big year for everybody everybody (laughs) duly noted (laughs) oh goodness um well, then it uh, makes totals the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, uh, right. Obviously, <laughs> space time continuum. Yeah. I know. Um, thank you, Dr. Brown. <laughs> You're welcome, <Okay>. Marty. <laughs> that was a, not a bad. Not a bad. Uh, what was it? Doc Brown. Surfer. What was his? What was his actor's name? I can't remember now. Oh, this is heartbreaking. What Doc Brown? What was what Doc Brown's? Who played him? What was the actor you who played him? You almost made me say Christopher Walken. <laughs> it's not Christopher it's Walken. I hope someone at home is screaming out there, just being like, "You stupid fucking idiot!" That would be my sister. She's yelling at me right now. I can feel yeah. it in my soul. Oh, well. <laughs> well, now we'll well. You know what? We'll never know. We'll never know who he who played Doc Brown, and there's no way of knowing. <laughs> 
Um, so did you want to get into the story? Yes, yes. Bad, bad mammer jammer. All right, so hit the deck. Picture yes. it. 1955. San Francisco. San Francisco. Well, first, though, so basically we're introduced to um, Rico, by, played by Vic Damone, mm-hmm. and Danny, played by Russ Tamblin. They're sailors, and they're, so, um, and they're stationed in the Arctic. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing starts off with Operation Ice Cream. Yep. Um, which is, so, and they're all doing this thing where they're, like, jumping into the water. It was so funny because it literally looked like I mean, the set looked like it was made of styrofoam. So this yeah. is what I was. This is what I'm saying. It kind of set the tone for the there movie. There were several like, parts okay. of the set that felt so Disney, and I'm not yes. mad at that at all. <laughs> um, so um, they're they're trying. They're about to jump in the water, and mm-hmm. that's when Chief, Chief Boatswain's mate Clark <laughs> made. What was it? Chief Boatswain mates William F. Clark, yes. also known as Bill, who we will continue to call Bill for the rest of the day, played <laughs> by Tony Martin. He comes up and asks if anybody knows how to make a birthday cake, and they say that um, they do, and that's it's for a superior, it's for a superior officer coming into town, which they hope to help get them out of the cold. Mm-hmm. And the plan backfires literally when they end up, um, when they try to make it into a rum cake, mm-hmm. um, and they end up getting stationed in some swampy jungle. Yes. Um, Operation Mud Pie. Uh-huh. Um, and then eventually some time goes by and they are allowed leave back in their hometown of San Francisco. Which they call Operation Girls. <laughs> the, the whole is, I, I gotta say this whole like, the, like title cards of Operation Ice Cream, Operation Mud Pie, Operation Girls. I'm like, it's cute, but it's after Operation Girls, it's abandoned. You never see it again. Exactly. So it's kind of this weird like storytelling device that they kind of abandoned in the first 10 minutes. Of yeah, the pretty much. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, are we not supposed to reference the operations anymore? It was... That's where I was kind of like, what was this director thinking? I know. Um, anyhow. Um, so they're back in San Francisco and Bill wants to visit his fiance Ginger played by Ann Miller. Um, mm-hmm. and he wants to, uh, he's with the boys, but they, um, they have to, di- they have to dip cause they have previous engagements. But then when they see Ginger's photo outside of the, of the club, they find ways to get to meet Bill at the club later that evening. Mm-hmm. So, um, Bill goes in and he serenades Ginger during her club performance and she greets him, um, ice cold because turns out that Bill has been streaming her around for six years so they've been engaged for six years yeah so they're they're basically like me and ryan they're in it for the <laughs> long haul no no plans on getting married um so meanwhile while he's getting the, the cold shoulder treatment rico heads back to his mom's place played by Kay Armin, mm-hmm. for a surprise reunion and she's like all super nervous for um for him to come in uh she wasn't expecting him because she's seeing some guy named mr peroni and he thinks that she has a young son but it turns out she has a grown-ass son <laughs> and so rico's like okay well that's cool i gotta go <laughs> yeah. so he leaves to return to the club and then him um his mom and her her bf argue about her lying and their respective ages it's like this whole storyline about yeah how she's not old and stuff like that and i was like okay well that could have been left on the cutting room floor um no disrespect but (laughs) it's like we don't need to know this (laughs) well i love how like in the beginning like bill's like hey uh you know, uh, my girl, no problem. Basically, saying like she, my my girlfriend ha- uh, has no problem procuring a showgirls for my dates for my friends and does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's why they end up going back. They're like, that's fine. Yes. I'll just go back here. Exactly. Once they see once they see that Ginger's like hotsy totsy, they're just exactly. like we have to figure out a way to get back to this club. Yeah. So let's go say hi to our family members and then come back. Yes. Um. So. Um, and so me at the same time, Danny returns home to his strict father, who's a naval admiral, and his sister Susan, played by Jane Powell. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Susan is headed out. Um, she's headed out for a date with Wendell Craig, played by Gene Raymond, and he's the star of a new musical show that's happening, that's being put on in town, and it, um, it also happens to be literally next to the club that Ginger's uh, performing at. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is helpful when it comes time to for geography. It's very geographically uh, convenient. Yes. So, Especially in San um, Francisco where traffic is a bitch. That's eh, a bitch, <laughs> yeah. So that's helpful. But um, this this day is also um, as a kind of like a double uh, double whammy because she this is where she's going to audition um, audition for him in air quotes. Mm-hmm. And Danny is not happy to see his sister going out with a man, and um, he immediately starts questioning his motives because you know he's very into <laughs> his sister's love life. I I don't. Well, he just, yeah. he's already knowing, like, his, his skeevy radar is going off. I mean, hey, he's in the Navy. He knows what's he's up. The- <laughs> he's being overly protective. Yeah. Let's just say that. Um, so Danny heads down to the theater, which is next to Ginger's Club, to check out this character. And this is where he meets and dances with Carol, played mm-hmm. by Debbie Reynolds. So cute. So cute. <laughs> Uh, Danny questions Carol if he knows about this Mr. Craig and his audition tactics, and he gets the impression that Craig is up to no good. So his um, his suspicions are confirmed at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bill returns to Ginger's dressing room later to plead his case and ask her to go out on the town with him one last time and to arrange dates for the boys. And Ginger is still annoyed and that Bill won't marry her, and he, of course, <laughs> rebuffs him. Um, and then the boys show up too, and then she does that whole cute thing where she's like, if you don't mind, I have to change. And she like <laughs> takes off her robe, and she's just like in a lazy one piece and just walks out the room. <laughs> Such a ama- It's so amazing. I love it. <laughs> I love it when she anger strips. She's like, well, I've had it. Zip. <laughs> and I won't be needing that where I'm going. <laughs> well, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um so the boys all lick their wounds in in the alley behind the club um and they each sing us they're singing a song and they um they each share their troubles and realize the solution is easy for everyone but danny so he runs off to find out if carol knows where this mr craig character is staying and she gives up the info um very quickly and then danny asks her out on a date i just love that debbie reynolds is like hey you seem cool and you're out you know, <laughs> know. you're s- stalking my boss so here's his address good luck yeah. <laughs> Um, and so this is all at the same time, Susan and Wendell Craig are dining at his hotel Mm -hmm. and he is trying to get her loaded on wine and champagne. And she's all like, but you know, um, she's got her eye on the prize and she's all she wants to do is audition for Wendell. Um, so she sings a song for him, and then after singing, Wendell returns to plying her with booze and a kit and Linda like totally lays a big, fat, wet, juicy kiss on her. Which is gross. Because um, he's like kind of old. He's, it's, he's not, totes, it's not cute. Yeah. He's a, he's, he's a mature woman. Um, <laughs> and he knows how to use it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, come on, he's a theater queen. Yeah, let's be honest. Yeah, he's not, exactly. He doesn't really want to get with her. <laughs> he's just, he needs a good, he needs a new beard. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> I should stop rewriting these movies as we talk about them. <laughs> are um, you really rewriting it or are you telling the truth? <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. <laughs> uh, thank God. Oh my God. I had some kale stuck in my teeth and it just came out. Thank God. Well, good thing you have a face for podcasting. Because <laughs> <laughs> before this moment, I had a smile for, for podcasting. It was all. Full of green shit. The Kaylee smile. <laughs> it's hard being a hipster. <laughs> um, okay, where was I? So uh, after the kiss, that's when the boys come in and a fight ensues. So re, um, I mean, it's basically an all-out brawl between Russ, uh, between uh, Danny, Bill, and um, and then Wendell Craig. Mm-hmm. So. Rico is tasked with getting Susan home by force if necessary. That whole scene was a little tough to watch yeah. him like manhandling her. But, Especially you know, when the whatever. cop shows up and is like, hey, I see you're given a game of chase. If you said you'd kiss yeah. her, kiss him. I think you better deliver the goods, madam. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. But he basically <laughs> that is... says that to her. In an Irish accent. I'm, that I, that like, is oh, not. Yeah, exactly. I better give him the goods. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. A promise is a promise. <laughs> um so um yeah so basically susan um yeah so susan tries every attempt to get away short of getting the police involved because he asked her if she needs help and she said no yeah. so i was like lady it's called no one to take the yeah. out like if, if a cop gets involved just 
You know. <laughs> Fool me twice. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. So she, uh, so where were we? Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, so Susan ends up faking a twisted ankle mm-hmm. in order to get away. But first, a musical number. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so they do a musical number, which was a really adorable. Mm-hmm. And Susan then fakes losing her shoe in order to get away from Rico. So she like dishes her shoe and then she gets in a cab and she's like, oh, no, my shoe. She's like, <laughs> let's go, cab. Uh, Woo. Me, me. Um <laughs> Uh, and then so she heads back to the Wendell's hotel room and then when she gets back she finds the room trashed mm-hmm. and Wendell's there with a huge black eye and the shore police the shore patrol show up looking for his assailants so Susan slips out and catches Rico in, t- in the hallway in time to um, and to take him so basically he she catches Rico in time uh-huh. to, for him to avoid arrest this movie is very dense. There's dense. a lot that happens, <laughs> and I cannot, I cannot pare any of this down because it all, it's, it's very important. So no, it'll get tied up in a neat so little bow at the end, eventually. With sparkles. So, the shore, uh, the shore patrol return to Ginger's club. Um, or well, they show up at Ginger's club in search of the boys, and they um, question Ginger about Bill, um, mm-hmm. about Bill, and about you know. In his um, and his involvement in the incident, and Ginger gets a call from Bill while they're in the room, and uh, he basically t- explains that he needs her to come over to Rico's mom place and to explain the fight, and she doesn't buy it. But um, so the boys ha- are hiding out at Rico's mom's place along with Susan and Carol, uh-huh. um, because nothing's more romantic than hiding out from the popo. Um, that's. <laughs> That's my idea of a first date. I can't, I mean, why Danny and Carol are like really, like, why would she show? I don't understand. I, I didn't don't understand know. why she was I there. Maybe she was I was hungry. Like, is this a date? She's Maybe. like, is this Italian? I'll go. Okay, I'll go. I'll yeah. go. It's okay. good. It's good. You, you, you got some chef boy ideas in yeah. there? Like, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. I'll take this date. Sure. Um, so they, uh, so basically, where was I? This is a very long piece of paper. <laughs> um, do 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 Okay, so Ginger shows up and they hatch an um. They basically try to hatch an alibi scheme, which ends um in everyone leaving in a huff. So he she's trying to hatch a scheme where she's like, well, maybe if we get married, we could say that we don't have you know we were together the whole night and all this stuff. And of course. Um, Bill is like having it, not having it. So they all end up screaming and yelling at each other and leaving in a huff. And then the ladies, um, do a musical number lamenting about their boy troubles on the park bench, mm-hmm. which is a reprise of the boys lament earlier, which is cute it is to cute. see it from the boys perspective. And then the ladies perspective, mm-hmm. um, and then the shore patrol shows up at Danny's family home and mistake, um, the Admiral for Danny and his father is shocked to hear about all the trouble. Um, so he has to get involved in the search for Danny and his friends. Mm-hmm. So the next day, the shore patrol show up at Rico's mom's house, um, and she has to stall them for the boys in order for the boys to get away. And then, which was actually a pretty cute scene because she was like playing like the dumb, like, yeah. I don't speak English. <laughs> I don't speak the English real well. So uh, <laughs> even though she was speaking perfectly good yeah. English, it was pretty good. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Hey. Um, <laughs> yes. Not a yeah, it was... Rico's mother was played by the Fonz. <laughs> <laughs> she was test, she... and that, and then eventually Rico's mom transitioned and became um, Henry Winkler. <laughs> she hit the jukebox with her hip and made the music play. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, Mrs. Cunningham? <laughs> um, I love my sides. <laughs> oh my god! So, um, basically, the so the kid, the, so the boys end up running away, and they um and they end up in Mr. Peroni's flower shop, Mr. Peroni from earlier, and um, Bill uses that time to make Mr. Peroni jealous by buying flowers for Rico's mom. Yeah. Which totally works and all this stuff. It's like, again, I'm like, the Mr. Peroni story is not, not necessary. Not too necessary. You could literally cut that whole thing out. It's really, it's just, it's just too yeah. much. Um, 
But it's great to see that um, Mr. Peroni goes over and he's like, no, I want to marry you. You can't marry this Bill, Bill this sailor character. Um, and then, the, of course, so meanwhile, the Admiral is personally overseeing the mission to find the wayward mm-hmm. sailors. And um, so Bill heads over to Ginger's place to try and win her back. And it turns out the man, so me, all this while, Ginger was talking about how she's engaged to somebody else. And it turns out that she was making the whole mm-hmm. thing up. It was just a ploy to make him jealous. And um, then Danny meets Carol at the car, um, at a carnival to apologize for the night before, but they end up in a fun house in order to escape the shore yes. patrol. And that whole um, <laughs> fun house number was actually it pretty was pretty cool. cool. It's, it's really um, awesome. It's really sweet. Um, but I also like that it's like all like Technicolor, like devils and pitchforks. Oh my God. It's actually the stuff <laughs> of nightmares, really. <laughs> I mean, if, like acid trip nightmares. Yeah. I mean, don't get me it's wrong. It's sort of colorful. like my idea of a dream date. If I could ever have a date go that well, it, like that looked super duper fun. <laughs> but like the whole, <laughs> but the whole like fun house is fucking crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, and then, so basically they um back at the theater um susan ends up apologizing to mr craig and asks him to withdraw the charges he agrees but it turns out to be a trap so the boys um he agrees but they have to he's like but the guys have to come and apologize in person and so he basically sets it up so that the shore patrol will be there mm-hmm. waiting for them and uh for some reason the admiral and the lieutenant end up um attend the show in order to speak to craig um I don't know why they felt the need to sit through the entire show to interrogate Mr. Craig, but you know, do what you need to do. Um, and then backstage, the boys have to escape um, this, the, the shore patrol and they end up as being part of the show, which ends um, erupts in an all out brawl. Uh, so then the Admiral ends up bringing the boys in to read them the riot act about this, this wayward lady that's causing all the mm-hmm. trouble. And then Danny has to mention that this lady that they're, they're talking about is his sister and the Admiral stops in his tracks because that's actually his daughter and all this stuff. So eventually Craig swings by to retract the whole story because the situation is all sorted out when it's revealed that Mr. Craig has had a wife the whole time. <laughs> um, and and then the whole thing gets um, not tied up in a sweet little bow when Rico ends up with Susan, Danny ends up with Carol, and Bill ends up with Ginger, and Mrs. Ferrari ends up with Mr. Mm-hmm. Peroni. <laughs> so kind of a double-double wedding. I know, <laughs> but nobody officially it. gets married. Like, Thankfully, it doesn't no end where they're like in wedding married. dresses and stuff. That's true. That's I mean, because I'll take Gold LeMay it, over, over a wedding dress any day. I mean, I mean, wouldn't that you? That last number, <laughs> I mean, the last number is um, the Hallelujah Reprise, which is the first number was Hallelujah, which they sing about a birthday cake. <laughs> um, so the boys sing Hallelujah in the beginning about a birthday cake, and then at the end, it's the reprise, which is more of a full-scale production number, which is pretty yeah. amazing um, because they're all in gold lame mm-hmm. with the blue um, – with the blue uh, – uh, petticoats yep. underneath the light blue, which is amazing. And Miller's in full oh force God. tap dancing on so this. Good. I mean, like I couldn't stop crying oh, when she was tap dancing too. for this number. It was me pretty amazing. Too. Um, although I did find Jane Powell's hair a little disturbing in this number. I don't know why, but it just didn't look like her hair in the rest oh, of the movie. Yeah. So it was like, what is it? It's I don't, a little, it was oh, cloth just happening. a little bit different. That's true. Like they pushed it all forward in yeah. a weird way, and I don't know. But she has a very, a very interesting cut of hair anyway, because it's like weirdly curled in yeah. front, then straight in the back. Like I prefer in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers too. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, she's but she's great, and uh, she's wonderful. she does have some great looks in this movie for sure, though. My God. I mean, that what's the first one that she she she's comes got that in, little like stripy she's tie that like little. Yeah, the suit with the stripy yeah. ties. It's adorable. It's super adorable. Um, and then she turns into her. And then she has that dressing oh, gown. Oh, yeah, her dressing gown's really cute. And I feel it's all just like, it, you know, I don't know how much they were trying to tell this story, but it does feel this way. It's like you first you see her in almost like a schoolgirl outfit, and then you see her in that, I don't want to say derpy dressing gown, but it's very girly. It's very young. 
It's a little matronly, well, though. It's not no, that's young. true. I guess I there's like... a lot of like buttoned-up collars in this movie, especially yeah. on Debbie Reynolds. Like almost it's... everything she has, like even her little like green and white evening gown, they put like that chiffon, like almost like a, it almost looks like a little raincoat or something over her with like a collar, you know? Oh, but it's yeah. all chiffon. I mean, it's really cute, it's but funny. it's just very like, huh? Okay. but like even at the end like her halter dress like that's gold lame and it's really cute she's got the full skirt just like ann miller but then she's got like but it's a halter but it's like very buttoned up almost like there's like a collar it's kind of high yeah they totally did do that they like covered her cleavage very like a lot i thought that was really interesting because it's like she's like a showgirl too or she's an actress too but it's like but she's very chaste she's very buttoned up and young you know yes Yes, she is. Um, but there's also let's see. So um, I mean, Ann Miller's looks uh, in this flawless. Movie. Oh, we all know that God. she is. It's when like she... she's a showgirl, like in and out. She I is mean, feathers and lace, legit. all the time, and, and fur, fur and, fox and little gloves, tails. and and Ugh. yes, she looks so good. Ugh, I love all of her looks, and uh. Oh my God! What she does, keeping my the song she performs the first at the beginning, keeping myself for you. Um, is, it's so, oh, cute. so cute. She's got that. She's got that like little princess phone <laughs> receiver, cute. and the receiver, the mouthpiece has ruffles on the mouthpiece. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so weird. It is so cute. <laughs> it makes no, no sense. No, she is so fucking cute. And then like I love how all of her backup singers <laughs> are. Like, like, well, actually, they're not all blonde, but I guess they're mostly blonde. And then she, but she's like the one, like in the dark. But they're all in like in pink powder puff kind of outfits, like alongside of her. Oh, and yeah. I love it's like just when, it, like, first it starts off with they're all upside down talking on their phones. Then they like move, they they get off of it, and then they all walk around with little fur muffs, little fur muffs. <laughs> so, so cute. <laughs> It's adorable. I love I love that uh, number. It's great and it's so sparkly. Like even her stockings have sparkles on them. It's just gorgeous. Oh yeah, totally. And her po- like uh, this girl could strike a pose. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Get out of here. It was so cute. It's great. And then like, yeah, and then she kind of gets interrupted cuz there's like that little part where like a guy is supposed to sing and then I guess Vic Damone kind of comes in there and he's like, you know, singing off to the side and I don't know. It's just it's really funny because it's, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, God, you're like, again, it's just like, oh, you're waiting around to get married. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Your life is awesome. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, you're a you're fucking showgirl. Girl. Like, live it's your life, girl. Chances oh, are you God. work in the Castro, but way before it was like anything that it was today. I mean, I we know, all, let's face right? it. You know, she's <laughs> like, she's probably got an amazing apartment. We kind of see it sometimes. Her dressing room is adorable. She gets to wear sparkles all the oh. time for a living. <laughs> I mean, she has these wonderful like headpieces too, oh where gosh. it's like feathers like yes. dripping down one side, or like big giant rhinestone yes, headbands with and matching stuff. And earrings like, and bracelets and, and rings and just uh, everything. And then her even her like evening wear, like when she's like just chilling out, is yes. like so cute. That one that she wears over it to like Vic Damone's mom's house, and she's wearing like black and white, and it's like got the like white trimming. Oh, around with the, edge. Yeah, with the little so, birds on it of the little. Yes, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful, so lovely. Oh, it's just I mean, amazing and really very demure, but at the same time not. Yeah. I mean, and it's it just really like like with that deep sweetheart like bustier bodice, but then it had yeah. like the. The sheer chiffon, almost like like sleeveless part over it with the white piping, amazing, amazing, oh, yeah. so this... flattering, and just yeah, like this that mid fifties, like everything was hourglass, like extreme hourglass, totally. And Philip is but... not mad at that. No, my God, are you kidding? <laughs> it's funny. I noticed Ann Miller in this too. I think this is where she discovered she discovered blue eyeshadow all the way oh, up to I her eye- eyebrow. Damn it! You mentioned before me. I'm like, there's so much blue <laughs> eyeshadow up to the eyebrow, and it's not just her. There's that Elvira character in the Funhouse, but oh yes, my God, lady of the bio eyeshadow up to the eyebrow. <laughs> oh my blue God, the lady eyeshadow. of the bio number. The lady of the uh, the Bayou number, I almost screamed oh out God. loud. That mo number was bananas. It's like, so oh. good. All I know is like you got to get Tansy to do that number. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of looks be, like Tansy. I know, but, but yeah. it would be so great. But it's just oh, that is such a great, 
so good. I mean, she looks good in orange, but I mean, it's the orange with like the feathers and the hair is so beautiful. It's like her and Dolly Parton are like the only people I know who can wear blue eyeshadow up to the eyebrow, and we love it. We love every. Well, it's funny because if you look at like older photos, like when um (laughs) as um as Ann Miller ages, she continues to wear the blue eyeshadow all the way up to her eyebrow. You know what? She's earned it. It's okay. She's earned it. That's okay. She's Ann Miller. You're like, you, you know do what? you, girl. You do you. you, do you. you, you leg up, and you keep tapping, <laughs> and you wear your blue shadow, eyeshadow as much as you fucking want. Look at those legs. Look at them. <laughs> I know. It's just like, it's like, I'm just like, oh, this is when she, like, there's this, like, when she discovers a look, and then she gets stuck in it. I feel like this is the moment when she got stuck in that blue well, eyeshadow. Well, if, if you look at her, like, even her, I, I, I happen to, I, before we did this, I watched many, uh, like, there were a, a few, uh interviews with her on that were on YouTube like from the 90s like kind of when she was a lot older kind of before she passed away amazing right. there's like an eight part interview with her and it's just so good but you can just tell like I was looking at her and the way her hair is and I'm like she still has her hair like even the way she quaffed her hair up until like all her life was mm-hmm. the way she wore it at MGM it's like she had the Sydney hair like he gave her that quaff with the little curls on oh, the side yeah. and and like all those framing her face like she wore that like cuz yeah she kind of got she used to would wear a wig like into the 60s and through the 80s when she would really perform and be, that's what she a lot of people love to make fun of but she even explained she's like well, dude i wore a wig cuz i did so many turns and kicks and stuff like it wouldn't move around they could just put the shell wig on me and i would go but she had great hair she always had beautiful dark hair like real hair and even when she was a lot older. But yeah, it was like, I I felt like watching her, I could just, and the way she had her hair and makeup done, I'm like, that is remnants of your MGM days of like oh, yeah. your, of your Sydney Gileroff and like professional makeup man days of like, even the way your eyebrows and hair, like little things, little things that it like says you're a star. Like you're not just some other old lady, you know, like you're quaffed. And uh, anyway, I You're just, an old lady like, yeah. with amazing past. Oh my, amazing! Yes, well, kind of like Debbie Reynolds. She always gave that off. Anytime you'd see her, you're just like you just knew she was just done in that way, where you're like that that old lady is special. You just know they're so yeah. special. But uh, yeah, oh, Lady of the Bayou. That was a great number. That really great number. The dress number. was gorgeous, and she looked beautiful. Uh, and that amazing feather headpiece that like went all the way down one right. side. Oh my god. So good. And that one, and she was like barefoot the whole time yep. dancing around these uh, these overtly homosexual oh dancers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> With the shirts ripped With, open and tied and like no It's like <laughs> whoever designed like I know Helen Rose probably didn't design those costumes or like she probably was she just let like, her yeah, they're fine. Or let her she, husband design them. <laughs> sure she probably just like she was looking the other direction that day because those costumes are some pretty bad like mccall's pirate patterns like it's it, like it, like a triangle totally cut is, out it's like, like no i bet you that's what the mccall's patterns came from or that method they're like we'll just take them and do these like big jagged you know like <laughs> big jagged just... cuts and then like i like literally a couple of them looked like they had shirts that had been ripped open down the front and then tied at the waist yes <laughs> Like ripped from the neck, from the neck ribbing all the way down, so and then like tied at the waist, skin, like skin tight. And then too, by the way. their dance moves. Oh my god! They were just—if <laughs> you watch it, like it's really hard to not watch Ann Miller because she's just such a showstopper. So if you re- yes. really, really try to watch that number, but don't watch her, just watch all the dudes dancing. Oh, it is a different experience. <laughs> oh my god. And it's so like it's so mid fifties. It is the so mid fifties. This one is so mid fifties. It's that like Gene Kelly ge- storytelling, overly gestured, but it's like overly gestured. It's like right when you start getting into things, because this would have been like right on the cusp of when they started doing all the dancing for like, you know, West Side Story, which is very dramatic, yeah. like big, almost like ballet style, but like <laughs> in over like like got a touch of the modern in it. And then, but it's just that movie it just comes off that set oh. for Lady of the bio was like a Hanna Barbera version of like the blue bio restaurant from Disneyland like at the beginning of oh Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> it was like it, lo- it was so cartoony like Flintstones it looks, almost <laughs> it 
<laughs> exactly. It looks like they took the background of a Scooby Doo cartoon and blew it up. Yeah, and just it's like, like this quintessential fifties, like the way, like all the artwork and the style of the artwork of like the drawing of everything and and the 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 stages. It's just it's pure nineteen fifties, and I love it. I love it. <laughs> Heavy black lines yeah. and like dark shadow, like silhouettes and sh- it was so, so great. <laughs> like what? I th- when that when that number started, I was like, uh, zoinks, <laughs> Shaggy. This is. I figured like it might have been a slow roll up until that point, and then that I was like, Philip will sit up when this happens. It's okay. Lady yeah, of the Bio will make I it better. Totally did. <laughs> totally did. So good. Oh my god. That number was pretty epic. It was epic. Um, You're like, wait, is that bitch wearing blue eyeshadow up to that eyebrow? Hold on, Ryan, <laughs> hold on. Wait, we got to watch. <laughs> I can just see it now. <laughs> it was it was definitely a sit up and take notice moment. <laughs> she um, also not, did this look and Kiss Me Kate. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. That first number that Debbie, what Debbie does, is really cute. Oh too. yeah, She's super doing cute. A kiss or two. Yes, that was really cute. Her little, her little outfit with like it, it's like, it was almost like a like a play suit, I guess you could say. Yeah. And it had like that itty bitty baby skirt that like was kind of like slightly pleated, but then it had like little. It might like, even pants. been culottes. Like culottes, but but I feel like at some point she had like little. Almost like I don't want to say diaper pants, but they almost look like little kid pants underneath. Like they mm-hmm. were like probably like a woven fabric, but they had like elastic around the legs, so they weren't really like tight fitting hot pants. But I mean, she looked oh. so cute too, and and everything just fit perfectly. Like just fit amazing, and I love her little stripe and like parasol and and the whole yeah, little bit that she does. Like sweet. her and Russ Tamblin are so good at all that physical. Like that physical work with the the you know it's like tumbling and stuff like that and and they're so cute oh, together. Yeah. Really, but her cute. facial expressions are killer too because I think she was really good at telling oh, yeah. a story with her face. Like when they would, like not just in that one but also in the Lulu number when shit was getting weird, she'd be like performing, oh, but yeah. then you'd see her face and she's like, you're like, oh god, she's talking with her eyes. Like this is a good <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I think that's one of her great talents, Debbie Reynolds. She's just, she's really, <laughs> but that's why I think in a lot of ways, like, cause like after this, like, she really was able to parlay or, you know, and, and kind of get into more serious roles, like after this and doing this movie, because she is so good at, she's such a, she was such a complex actress and everything. Yeah. I loved her in this I movie. loved her so in this too. To see her. Super cute. And her I, hair was really I cute, would... I thought, with little bangs oh God, and stuff. Yeah. She was totally like. And a little tiny ponytail. Yeah. She, pure 50s. Just so cute. And Adorable. what she wears in that fun house, like her little pants with the black belt and the blouse with, at the fun house uh, outfit, was so cute. You mean the cute. devil's or, fun house? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> the I devil's know. fun house. What? AKA oh, San man. Francisco. <laughs> yes. That was such a bizarre with like these weird cartoon men in like red leotards. And they're poking with them with tiny, a, with, with, the tr- with the little, tr- <laughs> they all have tiny little red capes. And then finally at the end, there's that weird, like, like, um, uh, vampire, vampire looking vamp- yeah, knockoff the vampirella, lady. like lady knockoff, and then they get shoved through that weird, like they were like paint rollers, like squish them through, and then it was like Disney cartoon. It was like la 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 yes. la 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 la, like normal. But I love. Can we talk about this vampire character? Oh my god! All they do is like they pan over, and there's this woman, like in like full like quintessential goth yes. gear. Like she looks like vampire, and she's literally holding her hair up, like yes. as if to say, like she's ah. scared. Like, look at how scary I am. I have a hair. (laughs) And long black nails. (laughs) And more blue eyeshadow up to the eyebrow. (laughs) It was so weird. Behold. I... I would have laughed if this was like a real fun house. I would have laughed so hard the entire time I was inside of it. I'd be like, what is this? Again, it's very, it was very Hanna-Barbera. It like a Scoo- It was very Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> Zoinks. And then they're like, zoos, yes. zoos, zoos. But they yeah. had a really great, like, like all the stuff that they did. Because they were on those, like, treadmills that go back and forth. And they were doing a lot of that work together. And it was just really, really oh, yeah. funny. Like, uh, you know, again, Debbie Reynolds, she's just like a, like a hot clown. <laughs> she's just really. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
It was a great musical yeah. number because it wasn't like an actual singing number. Yeah. So it was just like a pure dance number. It was really I remember the first, in the beginning when she's like trying to imitate the witch and she's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> oh, I love that. I think that's what I love about, unnerving. like, one of the things I love about Debbie. She's not really... I mean, you know, all these ladies can be funny, but she just has that, like, more clowny, boisterous, like, willing to do things that, like, you almost cringe, like, embarrass herself. Like, she can embarrass herself yeah. in this cute way where other ladies, like, wouldn't do that. Like, I feel like, like, if any of them were to fart, it'd be, it'd be Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> and then you'd be like, and then she'd laugh and be like, whatever, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Did you read any of her memoirs? Um, no, no. I've been I've been wanting to, like, pick that up because I know that, oh like, my I'm God. coinciding Ugh. with this. But, yeah. You have to read. I didn't read the first one, but I read the second one, Unsinkable, which I, I you could read without having to read the first uh-huh. one. But, like... It was funny. I was explaining. Someone was like, how did you, did you like it? And I was like, well, it's pretty good. She kind of runs through every single, every single movie that she did. And then she tells you who on set had a huge penis. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm like, why is this necessary for me to know Miss Debbie? (laughs) But seriously, every single movie, it was like so-and-so, he had a big penis and he was proud of it. So wow. next movie, so and so, he had a big penis and he showed it to me. You know what's really sad <laughs> is that apparently, is that? apparently these dudes really, really felt the need to do that. They're like, "Hey, you're hot and tiny. I bet you want my wang." She's like, "Yeah, no thanks." <laughs> I don't know. It didn't. It seemed like she was kind of in on the joke. Like she's just like they'd show him, she'd laugh, and they'd move on. <laughs> Oh man, those men of MGM <laughs> always taking their dicks out, swinging them around. <laughs> the way she wrote about it didn't seem like there was any malice behind it, so I was like, okay. So, what about Gene Kelly, Donald Connor? Which one? Which one? I forget. I forget. I forget because I read it so long ago. But I just remember it was like uh, that was the constant theme throughout the like the movie thing. Was <laughs> it was like so and so and his big penis. Next movie, so and so he had a big penis. So I love like, for you. I was just like, please seeing a pattern. I want to see. I want to. I want to hear the audiobook abridged version of this by Philip Estrada. And it's just, everything is punctuated with that. It's just a recap of penis. Like, <laughs> it's the abridged penis version of Unsinkable by Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Voiced by Philip Estrada. <laughs> They don't call it Hollywood for nothing. Oh, gosh. Uh, My sides. <laughs> oh, dear God. So if you get a chance, pick up Unsinkable mm-hmm. by Debbie Reynolds. It's a quite a treat. Uh, can't wait. Uh, I got to read that. Yeah. It's pretty good. She talks a lot about her costume collection because she yeah. was the, one of the first major, like major kind of like faces for collecting and preserving Hollywood costumes, which is a shame that she never got her costume uh, museum ever open. I know. Which, I don't know what that was all about. I can't understand why nobody would, um, no one from the industry would like. You know, I know. I feel like there's. I I want to. I would love to research more into that because I feel like it was in the '90s. Like they were like legit trying to get something going in Vegas to get that. And something fell through. That's in the book. It's a really, it's a whole interesting story where there's like a lot of like, there's a lot of like false starts on yeah. that and she couldn't get a like gaming license. And then like just having a hotel in Vegas was kind of like a weird thing. And you'd not a lot of people really, you couldn't really make any money at it oh. and all that stuff. And you know, so it's, it was just interesting, but it's sad because now I think even the Academy is actually starting to work on opening a costume um, costume museum and I'm like Debbie Reynolds has been knocking at your door the entire time yeah. and you didn't listen to her you oh know? please so was she just... was like I mean there's stories it's like people were throwing this shit in the garbage and she's like it's like they're oh, fishing yeah. out of the garbage and she's like she's like one of the few people being like this means something and they're like stop it you hoarder and she's like no really I think yeah. I'm gonna save this and yeah and like I think time. she was the one 
I think once she started attending and like openly collecting these things, that's when people started going to the MGM auctions mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it just then it was then people were like, oh, maybe we shouldn't just throw this in mm-hmm. the trash or maybe we shouldn't just like, you know, maybe we should try and preserve some of this history and like realize that maybe there is something to mm-hmm. this. So it's a bummer. But the photos from the MGM from the MGM auction in the seventies is bananas. Wow. Like it's crazy because it's just like like stacks and stacks and piles and piles of stuff and like racks and racks of costumes and like they're just getting rid of them by the pound. It's just it's insane. Know? And you know, like like I said, I she was just ahead of her time. And also, I just kudos to her for also realizing like, and and she isn't the first pe- person, usually actress from that time or era who's talked who sort of raved and talked about the talent of the crew, the costumers and the costume designers and how, and the, the hair and the makeup people and how they really were the unsung heroes of getting them up. Like they were the ones there at 5 a.m. every morning, getting people ready and making them beautiful, like for hours before they even got on screen for, for screen tests. And, you know, yeah. and, and there's, it, it's really great to hear, you know, and I remember Debbie Rebels was one of those people. It's like they had good friends who were costume designers or costumers and, you know, people who are, you know, more in the crew side of it. And it's great that people like her of that stardom can, you know, they're trying to say like, these were talented people, their work shouldn't be forgotten. Like if it wasn't for their work, we wouldn't be stars. And I think that that's, that's so great. That's just so wonderful of her to do that, you know? Yeah, I agree. It was nice to see. It's nice to hear somebody who didn't take for granted the work that was being done around Mm -hmm. them and not being so self-involved to like just be like, it's all about me. Mm -hmm. Everybody else was just there for me. You know, it's which it's it's good to hear that. And it's good to see people who it's also good to see. It's also wonderful to hear people who are fans of movies and fans of who kind of like get swept up in the Hollywood glamour and like under being like, this is like, this is like, you know, it's like getting, be able to dress up in these amazing elaborate costumes. And back then when everything was made specifically for Mm -hmm. you, it's like to realize that that's kind of a privilege that not everybody gets to do that. And that's a rarity. Absolutely. And the amount of hours and the time and talent that went into the stuff. And then I can imagine, even if you were a star to see that, that dress that you love to wear that helped you be that character, you just, see it thrown in the trash or being like forsaken it's like you know you it i'd want to hold on to it too it's like hey wait a minute you know that's that's a great thing it shouldn't be forgotten it's kind of reminds well you know but we've we've heard stories about this kind of stuff before of like things sort of being literally found in the trash that we are now are like iconic pieces from films um, and you know, uh, again, when I was re- listening to those interviews with, uh, Ann Miller, she said very much the same thing and actually talked quite a bit about Debbie Reynolds and all the work she, this was from the nineties and she was so happy and proud of all the work she had done to save costumes. And this was like, you know, she was talking about getting the museum up in Vegas and just, and how great that was. And again, much like her, just singing the praises of those people who got them up and ready every day, you know, and like yeah. talking about her routine every day. And it's like. And how she was like, yeah, you know, we it's like you literally spend almost three hours getting ready. And by the time you get up, at ni- you know, you're there for screen tests at 9 a.m., you're exhausted <laughs> from just yeah. the amount of work that's been done on you. <laughs> so, yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. But, it's, but then they I loved mean, it. They're like, yeah, but I it's like but it was part of the job and then they did it. It was hard work. It was really hard work. And so I just yeah. have a lot of respect for that. Not that what they people do, do today too. isn't hard work, but it was just it was a different kind of work and it was a different situation and and uh, just a great yeah just a really fun thing to study. Yeah. But yeah. Anyhow, so that's hit the <laughs> yeah. deck. And this movie, you know, is such a good example of that. Like this was in the waning years of MGM. I think that's why it's so great it that we use this as like the finale to our sexy sailor summer series because this really was it was the last of these sailor movies. Some have even said like, you know, had this been made five years prior, it probably would have even done better at the box office just because of you know, right. the way that everything was at that time. But um, they did try to inject some young talent into it with, like, Debbie Reynolds and Russ Tamblin and, and um, you know, but it still just wasn't, it wasn't up to that performance, but um, but we still love it. And you can just definitely tell a lot of time and talent and great things went into this. And the costumes were amazing. Everybody looked great. Uh-huh. Agreed. Yep. <laughs> um yeah, with that, I mean, we're going to go ahead and close this yep. one out. Um, 
It's time for the shameless plugs. <laughs> shameless um, plug. So you guys can hit us up on social media, Old Hollywood Realness on Facebook, OHR Podcast on Twitter, Old Hollywood Realness on Instagram. Check out the website. We're going to be posting all the recap, photo recaps and montages, um, oldhollywoodrealness.com. And uh, let's see. You can email us, the oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, your questions. If you have any questions, follow-up thoughts, um, all that stuff, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, want to thank Hal Lublin for giving us his vocal talents for the opening of the podcast as always. Yes. Love that. And um, then also rate, review, and subscribe. Love to hear some feedback over on iTunes. Uh, and that's pretty much it. If you want to support us, you can use our Amazon banner that's on the website when you shop. It's just Yay, click that banner and shop do. like you normally would. Yeah. Get a couple bones. Um, give back to the podcast, help us pay for these movies. So <laughs> we're not going broke watching all these films. Um, it's yeah. yeah. Other than that, um, hope you guys had a wonderful summer. Yeah, we we and hope you enjoyed our sexy sailor summer series because we did, and we Woo-hoo. feel like I mean I feel like we learned a lot just about um all these different people who made these films and um the sort of genre in general. Um, it was great. It was a great way to spend the summer. Yeah, it was wonderful. <laughs> it was, sure was. Hats off to the Navy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm still drawing a blank on Doc Brown's real name. Emmett Brown. Um, wait, no. Um, uh, wait, it's Brown. Uh, Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. Christopher oh, Lloyd. Oh, God. Thank you, Brain. Oh, God. Is. That took forever. It was right there. <laughs> Christopher Lloyd. Oh, thank you. Okay. Oh, now my sister will not beat me up or try to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Priceless. All right. Now All we right. can sign off. Woof. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, thanks for listening to OHR. Yeah. Super fun.